Welcome into the GT Counter Podcast. My name is Tyler. Joining me, as always, is my co-host. The gray man himself is here, Grayson Winters. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, you know, man, it's a, it's a Monday night, and I finally recovered from that Notre Dame loss, and it's it it's burned into my soul. Um, we're, we're just not a good football team. It's set in stone. We'll see you in Orlando at the Pop-Tart Bowl, plain and simple. I'm sorry I had to profit off of that game, but man, it was it was always Clemson there. I am sorry, but it just was. Yeah, it's that's a tough it's a tough loss, and we honestly just looked so pitiful in that game. I mean, that's the first. I mean, of course, of all weeks, our defense decided not to show up against Clemson and Clemson. I mean, it's it's just a really that's a really tough spot to be in, and you know, Sam Hartman, man. Guy is just dropping his draft stock every single week, just tanking, tanking. It's it's crazy. He's about to be undrafted. He's about to be a day three kind of dude in a couple of days. So that was not a very good performance. I was pretty shocked to see how just just how bad he was that game. Granted, a lot of it was the entire team, but he especially was not very good. No, he's been playing. He's been playing really, really rough. Um, you know, he looked unbelievable against Navy. He looked moderate at Ohio State. And ever since then, he's just been terrible, terrible, terrible. So, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of an embarrassing loss. Um, you know, Dabo said, uh, Dabo said after the game to, uh, to Dona, if you're going to be, uh, if you're going to be selling stock, don't be selling stock out on the Clemson Tigers. So, showing up every week is the heart and the fight of Clemson. And I know we're down and everybody's throwing dirt on us, but if, if Clemson's a stock, you better buy all you freaking can buy right now. That's uh that's something, I guess. I mean, five and four, whatever. That's something, I guess. Uh, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not sure I would buy with how he uses the portal these days, but you know, maybe if that changes <laughs> I could potentially look at a at a soft buy of Clemson, but nothing about this year screams uh I want to buy you moving forward. Yeah, absolutely not. We're not we're not buying Clemson right now. That is for sure. Facts. Well, let's not waste any more time here, Gray. Let's go ahead and get into our weekend recap. Now I'm gonna go first here because I have something on my chest that we need to get out. Go into yesterday's Cowboys Eagles game. Man, I was really impressed with the way Dak Prescott played. That is my weekend takeaway. I know they didn't win. They came up six inches short twice, once on the, uh, the touchdown, once on the two-point conversion where he stepped out, and then came up, came up two yards short on the uh, kind of Hail Mary there at the end. Man, Dak was impressive yesterday. Over 300 yards, no semblance of a run game whatsoever, no semblance of offensive line play whatsoever, and the dude just went out there and absolutely dealed. On the road, division rival, it was everything you could ask for out of your franchise quarterback. I was super, super impressed by what he did. So shout out to Dak Prescott. He uh, he won me. I mean, I've been a Dak guy. I haven't been like, you know, the, well, well, we should just trade Dak this, that, and the other. But, you know, Dak is a dude, man. That was an impressive, impressive showing yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get into a little bit on him uh, during Triple G, but I also thought that he played a really, really uh, terrific game. 
on Sunday in, in Philly. And it's, it's a tough place to play. It's a hard atmosphere. And uh, yeah, the, uh, the Cowboys, the Cowboys really stood their ground and, you know, it was the Cowboys game to win at the end of that. And a couple of things went on and a sack, and then you put yourself in bad field position and it's, it's a tough loss to take there. Uh, You know, I had the money line on the Eagles in the game on my seven leg parlay. And, you know, you know, the Eagles got the W. Um, the Bills sold on me yesterday, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have been a very wealthy man after yesterday's games. Um, it's it's always cool to hit six legs and not hit the seventh. So that one hurts. Hate to see it there. Uh, I wanted to start with Triple G today. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it because the weekend slate of NFL games was really, really good from – I mean, we won't talk about Thursday night. Kind of an abject disaster at this point. But from the early game in Germany on Sunday morning all the way through the end, really a fun weekend of games. So let's not waste any more time. I'm going to get it right over to you for Triple G right off the top. I love it. I love it. Uh, moving into our, you know, I'm going to go a little bit out of order, but I know there was two, there was four games that were really, really good ones. Um but I just think it's not Triple G if I don't touch on my Raiders a little bit. You know, Aiden O'Connell gets the start at the helm, 16 for 25, 209 yards against a really, really bad Giants team. And, you know, as Max Crosby said before the uh, – in the pregame or, you know, on the Raiders' Twitter page before he said the uh, the N-word, um, you know, we took – they were going to put on a show. They put on a show. I mean, 30-6 to six is a huge game. Josh Jacobs played really, really well with two touchdowns. And, you know, Devontae Adams, four receptions for 34 yards. I mean, is it is it time? Is it time to get rid of him, Ed? I mean, we're not feeding him the rock. He's not really it, – it's not that he's not being productive. We're just not giving him the ball enough. It's For me, it's, it's time to sell him for what he's worth. He's going to get old. You know, you got a big contract on him. Try to get rid of him, you know? Great. I think it's been time. They're not using him properly, just not not ready to win at the moment. I think it's I think it's been time to to trade Devontae, get something out of him, build towards the future with Aiden O'Connell, use the top fifty draft pick you get to to build something special there. Obviously it's too late now at the deadline, but I think his value will still hold at the trade deadline, so still would be willing to uh, to get off of his his deal whenever the, the chance presents itself. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think the Chiefs need a wide receiver, and uh, I think he'd be, the, he'd be the perfect number for them. I will say, though, I just want to hit this real quick. The Raiders 30-6, to impressive, impressive stuff. I know you get the, the interim head coach bump and everything like that, but my goodness, eight sacks in the game. Obviously, Daniel Jones went out, went out with a torn ACL, which nobody wants to see that. But what a complete domination from these Raiders yesterday. That was a really impressive game. Yeah. Can we just go ahead and just solidify that Mad Max Crosby is probably this defensive MVP? I mean, he's an absolute freak show. I mean, he just makes so many plays all over the field. He is literally the heart and soul of the defense. Um, and I just really don't think that anybody else makes that big of an impact on their team the way that he does. I mean, TJ Watt does, obviously, and a couple of other guys. But, I mean, this guy is just absolutely different. So, let's move into 
the next game where, you know, I started off the year and I sold stock in CJ Stroud and every week he wakes up and just kicks me right in the nuts. So CJ Stroud sets a rookie record with 470 passing yards and five touchdowns on Sunday against the Buccaneers. And if you want to talk about a wild game, I mean, Texans are on their backup kicker. Their kicker gets hurt. Running back comes in, kicks the game leading field goal with what? I think it was like a minute and 25 left on the clock. And this Buccaneers team drives down the field a little bit with Bake and Baker throws this deep crossing route and it gets caught and immediately three steps in ball gets punched out. And I'm like, this is the game. Texans go to jump on it and recover it. And Mike Evans rips it right out of some dude's hands. As soon as he grabs it, Mike Evans was down on the five, you know, Baker Mayfield does Baker Mayfield stuff, throws a touchdown over the seam to the tight end for the Buccaneers whose name is uh, Otten. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know. I was going blank right there. Um, so this team, you know, they're up by, I believe, what was it? Three points or it was four. It was four, I think, because they went for two. Yeah, um, it was uh, 37-34. 33, yeah. 37-33, because they got yeah. six and one, one by two. Yeah. So that happens, you know, teams down the field, 48 seconds left, and this drive that he puts on C.J. Stroud right here to end this game, I mean, you just can't leave the kid too much time. I mean, 48 seconds of two timeouts is too much time for this guy. Lays a couple of darts, hits Nico Collins deep down the left-hand sidelines with a nice little toe touch. And then just finds Nico in the end zone. And it's just, you know, just a phenomenal game. And CJ Stroud looked absolutely unbelievable. I believe he's thrown one interception on the season so far. Um, yeah, he's making me uh, eat my words really badly. What an impressive last drive that was. So Tampa scored with 46 seconds left to make it 37-33 after uh, Baker got it into the end zone for Kate Otten. Uh, and then C.J. Stroud, man, 14-yard completion. Then a 6-yard completion, 14-yard completion, 26-yard completion to Tank Dell, and then 15-yard completion to Tank Dell in the end zone to get it done. Just awesome stuff. Tank Dell belongs in Houston. C.J. Stroud belongs in Houston. What an absolutely fun team they have. 4-4, four and four, would have never guessed it, but, man, what an outstanding game. By both teams, really, but... Yeah, that Texans team, man, they're really, really impressive. And uh, I do believe at this point C.J. Stroud has locked up Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's like minus 500 to minus 1,000 at the, at the odds maker. So that pretty much tells you that race is over. Yeah, that race is uh, is definitely over for them, that is for sure. Um, moving into the next game, you got Vikings versus the Falcons and – you know, we talked about this game a little bit as Josh Dobbs got traded over to Vikings earlier last week and Jaron Hall goes and gets injured. And Josh Jobs takes over in kind of like a, you know, Cinderella story kind of moment for the kid. You know, he's out there drawing up backyard football plays on the pigskin, telling his guys to run this and that because, you know, there's no way this guy knows the playbook. Um, And, you know, he just just does it. Just comes out there and freaking deals gets the Vikings a huge win over the Falcons. And, you know, this Vikings team can legit like steal a wild card in this NFC. 
I mean, it's it's very, very possible right now. So it's a great performance from them and a really, really fantastic win for uh for the Vikings. Yeah, did you see the video of them going over the uh like they had to go over their snap count on the sideline with them? Like the five starting offensive linemen are going over the literal snap count with them. And he doesn't know any of their names, doesn't know any of their plays. And he goes out there and throws for 158 yards in relief, two touchdowns, runs for another, runs for 66 yards. Just an outstanding performance by Dobbs, man. He is, between this and the Arizona stuff, it's Cinderella stuff. It's incredible. Yeah, he's he was dealing. He was dealing that game. And it's it's, you know, like like we said, it's it's something that's uh just absolutely crazy to watch. I mean, it's it's just nuts to see a guy come in off the bench, literally came in that week and comes in and has to get put in the hot seat into a game where he doesn't know any of the plays. I mean, it's everything you could want in football and more. So that's a that was a really incredible game to uh to watch. Uh let's move into, you know, the game overseas, the game in Germany. The Dolphins hold the Chiefs to under 50 yards in the second half where the defense stepped up big in multiple occasions. And Tua Tangavailoa continues to get flustered when teams bring the blitz. Ed, why is this offense just not performing well in big-time games? I don't know. And part of it, like, they held the Chiefs to 21 points. Travis Kelsey was basically useless this entire game. So, I mean... Maybe that was just the style of the game that was being played over there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's a little bit concerning. I think part of it is, you know, they weren't pushing the ball downfield very much. He threw it 34 times but only had 193 yards. So that tells me that they're not getting the ball downfield. Tyreek only had 62 yards so and uh, Waddle only had 42. So not able to break the top off of that Chiefs defense. And, yeah, that's just how you get bottled up. And credit to the Chiefs' defense for keeping everything in front of them. But, you know, you look at this game and the Dolphins outgame the Chiefs, and yet they lost. So, I mean, at some point, it's what are you going to do about it? I mean, it's just the NFL. It's it's played in a phone booth. All the games are coin flips. And, you know, sometimes you come out on the right side of it and sometimes you don't. I'm not here for this kind of online discussion of, oh, the Dolphins are fraudulent. It's like, they played a seven and two team on the, they were both on the road, but yeah. they played them to a one score game. Like it, it's not that bad of a result. They're still six and three. They're still plenty fine. Oh yeah. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think the, you know, the really big, the biggest play in this whole entire game is that scoop fumble to a pitch and a score right before half, you know, the chiefs guy picks up this fumble He's about to get tackled, and you're like, oh, he's getting tackled. And he turns around as he's getting tackled and pitches the ball. And they score on a huge pick six or pitch six, I guess. Um, and it's just, you know, that's really just what it wrote. I mean, the Chiefs had no offense in the second half. And it's weird watching this Chiefs team who just doesn't have any deep threats on the field whatsoever. And that's just not how – that's not Patrick Mahomes' style of football. Patrick Mahomes' style of football is to throw the ball deep, and they just don't have any deep threats on this team. And I think that's the biggest problem for them offensively right now. So 
Moving into the next game, we got the Eagles versus the Cowboys. You know, Ed touched on this a little bit already. Um, This Eagles D-line was giving the Cowboys offensive line fits the whole entire game. Jalen Carter, an absolute freak show. Fletcher Cox played really, really well in this game. You know, it seemed like they were condensing that pocket and not letting Dak step up at all. And... You know, there's a bunch of Twitter hate going on for Dak Prescott, of course. Every time they lose a game, the Twitter haters in the crowd get out and get active on there and say Dak missed a, missed the slant on the goal line and Dak missed Ferguson up the wide open seam on one of the plays. And, you know, this Cowboys team played as good as they could have played and probably better. I mean, when you have a team that does the tush-push four times in this game, I think. And they get it for the first drive of the game. They get a fourth down and one for three yards on a tush push. I mean, it's, it's tough playing the Eagles team. It's tough playing them out in Philly in this environment. Um, I think this is, this is more of like, you know, it's a loss for the Cowboys, but I think it's a statement loss. Like it's a game that they lost that they know for a fact they should have won. And I think they'll get them back in Dallas in a couple of weeks. I could not agree more. I mean, you look at this game. The Cowboys had 406 yards of offense compared to Philly's 292. Dak Prescott himself had 200 or 347 yards of offense responsible for. He threw for 333 after sacks. We'll take the sacks out. And he rushed for 14. He himself was responsible for more yards than Philly had in the entire game. So he played an outstanding football game. It's just the five sacks, man. They couldn't hold up against the pressure, especially down the stretch there. That, uh, you know, that play they had it at first and goal from the 10, unfortunately took a sack. That backed them up even further there for that kind of last gap to Mary. But you look at this game. Cowboys fans have been begging for for them to get the ball to C.D. Lamb more often. And yeah. they have finally gotten him the ball. 11 receptions for 191 yards. No touchdowns, unfortunately. He had the one in there at the end where he was two yards away from getting a win. So I think it's a promising result. I know it's a loss, but these these games with Philly, they typically split the games. They each win at home, and it's for very good reason. I mean, they both have really good home field advantage against the other team. So yeah. I think it's an encouraging result. And this Cowboys team is still one – they're still one of the elites up there, I think. Maybe not – quite the same tier, but I I think that they'll go as far as Dak takes them. And if he can play anywhere close to the level he played on uh, Sunday this week, the Cowboys will be fine. Yeah, I'm bu- I'm buying stock in the Cowboys right now. I think this Cowboys team is really, really good. And I think this loss is impressive in the way that they played. I mean, this was the Cowboys game to win the whole entire time. You know, like I told you already, I took the Eagles money line. And I was shaking in my chair watching the end of this game. I mean, I didn't think there was any way the Cowboys were going to lose this game. So, you know, an impressive uh, impressive win by the Eagles, but the Cowboys were, you know, fighting all the way through. And this Cowboys team is going to be an impressive team to watch throughout the rest of the year. So moving into our last game on the slate, we have the Bengals versus the Bills. And – to be perfectly honest with you, are are we selling stock in the Bills or are it time to buy stock in the Bengals? I think I'm more ready to sell on the Bills. I think we need to start asking questions about what they're doing here because 
the last two times they've played Cincinnati, it really hasn't been competitive. I know this game says it's a one-score game, but let's be realistic here. This game was never really this close. Cincinnati dominated this game from start to finish, outgained them by 80 yards, had the time of possession won. They had 37 minutes of time of possession compared to the Bengals 20 or the Bills 23. Yeah, it just wasn't even that close. So I think it's time to start asking questions about this Bills team. They're five and four. They really haven't looked all that good. Josh Allen has been a bit turnover happy so far this year. And they just haven't been able to run the ball. You look at this game. Josh Allen was the leading rusher with 44 yards. They're two running backs, eight carries for 24 yards. So they're just not able to run the ball when they need to. And uh, that can only be concerning moving forward as it gets colder and snowier up there in Buffalo. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Josh Allen has been really, really rough this year. He's just not been really performing to the standard that we probably expect him to perform at. Um, he should probably stop playing golf during the off season and focus more on, um, you know, film study and other stuff. Um, maybe stop playing Buffalo out on the course with Bob does sports and maybe think about the Buffalo bills and their upcoming season. So yeah, not overly impressed with, uh, with Josh Allen. What do you got, Ed? So I think we need to you know, as we look at these at these teams here, it came out today that Jamar Chase is dealing with a little bit of, bit of a back injury. And the way that he kind of framed his comments made it seem like he was potentially going to be out of time, out for a little bit. So one of the quotes was that, you know, all I can do is pray and be there for my teammates and hope I get healthy as fast as possible. That does not sound like a guy who is going to be ready to play here, especially in the upcoming weeks. The Bengals have already had their bye week. They really can't afford an injury at receiver. I know they have Higgins and Tyler Boyd, but neither of them are the explosive threat like Jamar Chase. So if he's out for an extended period of time, I do think it might be time to get concerned about the Bengals going forward. Especially being in an absolutely assaulting division as the AFC North right now. I mean, Ravens are seven and two, Steelers are five and three, Browns are five and three, Bengals are five and three. This division is unbelievable and I mean the Bengals are five and three and they're the last place team in the division right now if that doesn't tell you something I mean this division is nuts so it's I mean to put into perspective the Cowboys are five and three and they're number two in their division and the Bengals are five and three and they're last in their division it's it's crazy there's that uh that AFC North division is pretty much stacked and there is a very good chance that we see two of those teams out of that division pull a wild card spot. So that'll be uh that'll be interesting, something to uh to watch moving forward. But yes, I do agree that this Bengals team is somebody that we could be selling stock onto if Jamar Chase is, isn't gonna be active. Especially with how awful their run game's been with Joe Mixon this season. It's been hot dog water, to say the least. So Well, this is everything I got on Triple G. After this, we'll get into the college football recap. All right, Greg, coming back, it's time to recap the college football weekend. Let's start in Athens, Georgia, with one of the more anticipated matchups of the weekend. We had number two, Georgia, 30, number 12, Missouri, 21. We were all over the Tigers in this one, and they were able to squeak out a cover for us. Uh, 
you know, Georgia didn't look all that impressive in this game. They uh, they didn't really control the line of scrimmage, and that's laid out kind of in the stats in this one. If you look at it, Missouri outrushed them. They outrushed them 151 to 131. They were even on first downs, and the difference was just the turnover. They had one turnover, which Brady Cook threw it right to the uh, big fella's gut there, and he returned it all the way back to the five. So that was not ideal. But they were within 20 yards of each other on total yards. And this Missouri team looked like they belonged, which I think is more of a testament to Missouri than a potential downgrade on Georgia. But, yeah, they weren't as dominant as people might have thought. So, you know, I want to bring up this point of college football. And, you know, college football right now, every single team you watch, nobody looks to be just spectacularly dominant over anybody. And the transfer portal has kind of taken out that one team to just dominate everybody, like how Alabama used to do it and so on. And it's not that every team is mediocre now. It's that every team is great. Like all these football teams are really, really good football teams. And this win for Georgia is, it's a good win without Brock Bowers against a good Mizzou team. And Carson Beck continues to get better every week. And did they cover the, did they cover? No. Is nine points still a very impressive win? Probably against a Mizzou team. That's not a bad team any by any means. And, you know, nevertheless, Georgia's won 27 straight games and they're still going to be the front runner this upcoming week. I mean, they're still the same Georgia team that we thought they were at the beginning of the year. And they're probably not going to lose a game the whole entire season um, until maybe the SEC championship. And then, you know, college football playoffs, nobody knows. Everybody's, everybody looks very, very good. It's hard to tell who's really is good, you know? So, yeah, I it's... agree. I agree. You know, I, the thing is, is the fact that they look vulnerable defensively is where I'm most concerned. But they let these teams hang around. They let them score. They let them hang around in these games. Like last year, this Missouri team wouldn't score 10 points on this Georgia. Yeah. And yet here they are. It's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Just, a, you know, a bit I – won't, I won't say fraudulent, but it is a little bit concerning to be sure. And uh, that's why I think they can get got. My eyes are peeled on them this week against Ole Miss at home. I think this Ole Miss team is live to pull an upset here. So I haven't done a full dive on that game yet, but that's the one I'm looking for. This is the spot. Yeah. They're not the same Georgia team that they were last year. They're not nearly as good probably, Um, you know, all the way across the board. They're still a really good football team. I mean, they're – not going to beat teams by 28 points like they were doing every single game last year, but they are going to keep just about every single game competitive on their side as if they were going to win the game from start to finish. So yeah, I could definitely see Ole Miss potentially pulling an upset on them. Um, probably wouldn't be a game I'd touch though. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm not sure why you'd willingly want back Georgia or uh, back uh, Ole Miss at Georgia, unless you're a sicko like myself. So that's kind of what I do. Depending on what the spread is, if the spread is like, you know, Georgia doesn't cover the spread if it's over 10 points. So if it's over 10, then it might be a time to, uh, you know, back back Ole Miss in that one. Boy, do I have news for you because it is Ole Miss plus 11. Oh, man. I might be a $100 bill right there. 
Tell me about it. Let's go. So let's go ahead and keep it moving here. We are going to Austin for number seven, Texas, 33. Number 23, Kansas State, 30 in overtime. Just an outstanding college football game. They kind of had it all. You had the new Texas dominating early on. They were up 17-0 and 27-7 at one point. And then you had old Texas collapsing in the fourth quarter. Some people would call it human share mobile, just a complete meltdown. Uh, 16-3 Kansas State fourth quarter. And then in overtime, Texas gets the field goal and then a big, big time goal line stand. K-State has first and goal from the six. They get four plays. They can't get it in the end zone. And that's a game that Texas loses in the past. So I won't say that this Texas team is a lock to win the Big 12 or make the playoff or anything like that. But this is a team that is different than years past. This is a game that Texas loses in years past. So to come away with the win with a backup quarterback, I could – it was just a great result. So I am – cautiously optimistic moving forward about Texas. And if you look at the stats in this one, like Texas outgained K-State by 120 yards, uh, was able to move the ball at will when they weren't stopping themselves with turnovers. And the defense limited Kansas State to 33 yards rushing. Like you just can't ask for much more out of that game. So weirdly, I come away encouraged that they were able to survive and advance here. Yeah, Texas's run game looked really, really good in this game. And defensively, they continue to get the job done. Not probably in the fourth quarter, but, you know, when the game's on the line, they continue to get the job done. Um, I know Texas fans all over the country were getting nervous when Burt Auburn got to set up for the field goal. Um, luckily, he got to seal the deal on this one. Okay, sometimes this guy is uh, – you know, he's got nice hair, but sometimes the leg just isn't it. So it's good to see him uh, see him get the job done. Um, Texas will forever miss a dick or the kicker. That is for sure. We've been spoiled with kickers between Justin Tucker and Digger. I mean, a couple of legends there on the 40 acres. <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, no joke. So Texas was able to survive and advance in that one. And then we get to Bedlam, where their rival Oklahoma was not so lucky. Number 22, Oklahoma State, 27. Number 9, Oklahoma, 24. This Oklahoma offense, man, I'm officially confused about what Jeff Levy is doing here. Gabriel finally was able to throw the ball. And they were able to move the ball at times. But I was just confused by the game plan, man. They they weren't necessarily able to extend drives. They only had 23 minutes of possession. Uh, it You know, the stats kind of bear out a different story than what we saw. Yardage was pretty much even across the board. Uh, but eight penalties, three turnovers. And that's a recipe to get you beat in Bedlam, especially. This game was pure chaos. And uh, I don't know if we should expect anything different between these two teams. It just felt like we knew this was coming. It felt like we knew Oklahoma State was going to pull this upset. And uh, we were proved right. They were able to get the job done. Do you think OU did a pretty good job of trying to minimize the run in Ollie Gordon? I mean, he still went for 137 and two touchdowns. But is is that a win for OU's defense to, to hold him to that many yards? I mean, this guy is... Heisman watch list guy, 
absolute stud. OSU's been running the ball 200-plus yards a game, and they only run the ball for, you know, 146 in this game. Is is that a win for this OU defense? Yeah, it's a win, but at what cost? I mean, you allow Bowman to throw for 334 on your head. I mean, it's, you know, you shut down the run game pretty well. Ollie Gordon only averaged 4.2 a carry, but at the same time, Bowman averaged 12 yards of completion. Like, so you sold out to, to stop the run, but then you let them just throw the ball all over you. In, in essence, they had 200-yard receivers. Another one was 70. I mean, it was just – I'm just confused, man. I know they held them with 27 points, but 480 yards of offense, 334 through the air, only two sacks. I mean, I'm just confused by this Oklahoma team, man. I'm glad they're getting exposed for the, the fraudulent nature that they've been, but – I'm left wanting more from this team. I, I can't help but feel like this year it was a missed opportunity. You beat Texas, you get games with Kansas and Oklahoma State to make your year, and you can't do it. 0-2 in this stretch is pretty brutal. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Are you, as a Texas fan, getting nervous now? You know, OSU, you know, one loss in the Big 12 – they play UCF at home this week. They play BYU, and then they play Houston. I mean, they're, those three teams are 3-15 and 15 in conference play right now. It looks like, I mean, maybe you get a, bit, a little bit scared for OSU to go see UCF at home at UCF this weekend. Um, besides that, you don't really worry much about this schedule for OSU. They seem like they might be a lock for this Big 12 championship. Do you worry about Texas closing out this season? If Texas drops a game right here and OU goes undefeated, Texas doesn't make the Big 12 championship because OU has to win outright over top of them at home. So does that worry you? I'm not any more worried than I would be normally as a Texas fan. Like, Keep in <laughs> mind, these are habitual underachievers we're dealing with here. So, I mean, they are what they are. But if anything, I'm more – after they were able to survive K-State – I'm weirdly more confident now. I know it wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. That was their toughest test the rest of the year. At Iowa State is going to be a tough one, though. Keep your eyes out for that. Hopefully Quinn is back by then. That will be the deciding factor there. But, you know, interesting schedule coming up for both of these teams. Oklahoma yeah. State should – they should be 10-2 and two headed to the Big 12 championship game. I agree. I agree. They should definitely not uh... – not choke any of these games. UCF is a is a worrisome one, and I believe the spread on that UCF game is three and a half points. So, if we know anything about Vegas odds, that lets you know that UCF is is a good chance for a uh, for an upset in this one. So, a little bit scary for uh, for OSU. That is that is for sure. Yeah, you, you smell that, Grayson. That's the smell of a fishy line right there. Yeah, that is a fishy line there. They're trying to reel us in. Absolutely. They're they're trying to make us take the bait. And you know what? I might just do it. So let's uh, let's move to another game here that uh, had a fishy line to start the week. Washington 52, USC 42. Uh, the, the news coming out of this one was a uh, local man was fired after his after his weekly performance. Finally just caught up to him. You know, you can only fake the metrics for so long. And finally, the regional manager caught wind of the, the cooking of the books that was going on. And uh, 
thus led to Alex Grinch being fired by Lincoln Riley late Sunday night. It was time for a change. I think we can all admit some of that problem is not uh, on Alex Grinch himself. I mean, it's on the players, and it's on Lincoln Riley, frankly, as the head coach, to make these guys practice with the intensity needed to go tackle and be a big-time defense on that level. And clearly Lincoln has not shown the commitment to do that. But, yeah, I mean, Washington 300 yards on the ground after they barely have run for 100 in these games this year. A pretty, like, USC was, that was the spot. Like, wounded animal mode, the last chance to get this thing right. And they allowed 52 points on 580 yards of offense. Just can't have it. Yeah, it's uh, it's about damn time for Alex Grinch. I mean, when he was at Ohio State, that was the worst year they were defensively. He was terrible at OU. He was terrible at USC. He breeds soft defenses. And it's time for a change of pace out in uh, out in South uh, SoCal. I mean, they're about to move into the Big Ten, and if anybody knows anything about Big Ten football, it is physical, physical football, and this defense would horribly struggle in that. Um, in this game, you know, it's it's upsetting. Caleb Williams goes over and cries to his mom after the game after another terrible performance by his defense. I mean, this guy's only one dude, and he can only do so much. Um, it's really, it's really sad to see this guy, you know, pour his heart and soul out in this team. And, you know, I heard someone comparing it to, uh, when, uh, when, what, uh, shoot, what's his name? When Derek Carr's brother was playing, uh, was playing football and, you know, you remember his name? I can't think of it. Uh, that would be David Carr. David Carr. When he was playing football and he was just a one man show, um, just doing it all by himself. Same exact thing there. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty disheartening for him. You know, Penix once again plays really well in this game. Um, but like Etzel said, Dylan Johnson kind of took over the show with 256 rushing yards in this. Um, you know, big-time win for Washington. And, you know, is it time for USC to bounce back next week? I mean – USC comes out, they play Oregon next or this upcoming week. If they beat Oregon, they're shooing for this Pac-12 championship. I mean, they'll have the head-to-head over Oregon and both of them have two losses in conference play. Does that does that shock you? I mean, it's and Oregon still has Oregon State to play. I mean, it's it feels unlikely, but yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. They could vary. I mean, I know it's the spread is over two touchdowns. So obviously there's not much faith from the folks out in the desert to, uh, to have USC get this thing done, but you know, maybe interim kind of interim coordinator backs against the wall. Like you were already up against it last week, but now you've got to go on the road. It's like a boomer bus spot. You're either going to go out there and like save your season with a win, or you're going to go out there and be an absolute corpse and, like you're gonna go finish seven and five. Like I don't think there's any in between here because it's like it could very much go off the rails or it could very much like galvanize them. So I personally I don't have any faith in them to do anything whatsoever, but I can see your angle there. Yeah, it's a uh, you know it's something out there in that Pac-12. This is this conference is crazy competitive, and you know I don't think Oregon could win or could lose, sorry, in a game against USC. But 
if they do, you know, USA gotcha. I mean, it's it's one of those games, you know, USC, you know, back against the wall and might see them in a Pac-12 championship if they win this upcoming week. So pretty pretty crazy to think that they're still in in this with how competitive this conference is. Stranger things have happened, that's for sure. Well, our last marquee game here, we have number eight, Alabama, 42, number 14, LSU, 28, in a game in Tuscaloosa, which was a fascinating game, a clash of styles here. Um, The Bama offense, though. This LSU defense can truly make anybody look All-American, as this Alabama offense racked up over 500 total yards of offense, held the ball for over 33 minutes, 290 yards on the ground, no turnovers, 28 first downs. That is so many first downs for a top 15 matchup. Just a really incredible performance by both the Alabama offense and the LSU defense. Like It takes skill to be that terrible on one side of the ball, and they have certainly found that skill. So I will say the most controversial moment was when Dallas Turner knocked Jaden Daniels out of the game with a high hit. It was called roughing the passer. I don't believe it was targeting. Probably rightly called roughing the passer, but I know the the Bama fan or the LSU fans were awfully upset about it online. But hey, maybe don't let uh, Jalen Milrow have 370 all-purpose yards and uh, then come cry about it. Yeah, see, you know that hit right there. It's it's like you could go cry about it being targeting and whatnot, but he hit him standing straight up. I mean, he hits him standing straight up. If you're going to cry about it, put a flag on the quarterback and we'll take the flag off. I mean, if you're going to protect the quarterback that hard, put a flag on him. I mean, it's it's almost a joke at this point. I mean, there's no way that's a targeting call by any means. Um, I do agree it was probably roughing the passer. And yes, Jaden Daniels did come out of the game after that hit. And I kind of sealed LSU's fate because if you can't keep up on offense, you're definitely not keeping up on defense with this team. Um. You know, a couple of key things in this game. Makai Wingo was hurt for LSU, their best defensive tackle. And I felt like Tommy Reese kind of abused the fact that he wasn't in the game. And he gave the ball to Jalen Milrow, an absolute freaking athlete, 20 times. The quarterback carried the ball 20 times on some SNU football stuff. I mean, just letting the quarterback just run until the wheels come off. And Jalen Milrow did that. 20 rushes, 155 yards, 7.8 yards per carry, and four touchdowns. I mean, there's only one other quarterback I know that can run the ball like that, um, plain and simple. So I love to see the fact that Tommy Reese is kind of incorporating that into this offense. You know, that's, that's the offense they need to run. I mean, give the ball to this guy. He's not an amazing quarterback in the pocket. But if you have to worry about his dual threat ability, he is terrifying to a defense. So this is a kind of a, this is a big game for Alabama. Um, question I got for you, Ed. Alabama comes out and brings their A plus game, and Georgia comes out and plays, you know, mediocre Georgia football. Is there is there any way that this Bama team could beat Georgia in the SEC championship? Yes, absolutely. That Georgia team, if they sleepwalk whatsoever, this Bama team can physical them. We saw Missouri. They were able to run the ball on Georgia. Bama's strength right now is running the football. So if they are able to establish any sort of line of scrimmage movement up there, yeah, 
Bama's absolutely lucky to pull an upset there. I love it. I love it. We see uh do you see Bama sneaking into the playoffs here? Is there any way that this Bama team gets in? If they went out, yeah, they're in. I don't see any way keeping them out. I I'd put them in over twelve and one Georgia. Because Georgia hasn't would, played anybody. Would you put them in over twelve and one Texas? Uh no, because their one trumps uh their one happens to be the other twelve and one team. <laughs> yep. That's what I do I'm, think uh, there's a I do think there's a world where both of them get in though. If you end up with let's say let's say that Washington goes undefeated, you get the SEC championship winner, let's say for instance it's Alabama in this case. So you get Alabama, Washington, Texas is twelve and one, they're being in the playoffs no matter what. And then, you know, you get either Michigan or Florida Michigan. State or Ohio State. One of Michigan or Ohio State is going to lose. And I think Florida so just, State's Florida State's got a tough schedule. Florida, They're going to still Florida State's regular still, season is pretty easy, but there yeah, there's nothing about this team that says they're consistent enough to get the job done. Yeah, they still have Florida to play on the schedule. And I know that's probably a game that not a lot of people think is going to be a scary game for Florida state. That's a rivalry game. That game is going to be as muddy as it possibly can be for the Florida Gators. They're going to muddy that game up. And I would not be surprised if Florida state dropped that game or if they came off that week and had to go play Louisville in an ACC championship and lost to Louisville the week after, I would not be surprised about either one of those games. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. So I think that there's a real path for both of those teams to get in because more than likely it's going to be Pac-12 champ, SEC champ, uh, Big Ten champ, plus whoever is better of ACC champ and Texas. If it's Texas against a one-loss ACC team, I think they get in. But if it's undefeated Florida State, I mean, Florida State probably gets that nod, but I don't know. There's a, I think it's going to work itself out. I think enough people will lose for for the best four teams to get in there, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Championship weekend will solve a lot of a lot of problems cuz Washington very well could lose to Oregon if they played Oregon again. I don't see them being able to out hold the Ducks twice in a row if they had to play in that game. So, yeah. I think that a uh, championship weekend will answer a lot of uh a lot of our questions. Um one thing, want to get into a little controversial point with you. You know, we love we love some Arizona right now. We love the Cats. We're back in the Cats. Hottest team in football right now. You know, why is Noah Fafita not in the Heisman conversation? I just don't understand it. He's been playing unbelievable. Outplays Caleb Williams when they played USC. He played at the same exact level as Michael Penix Jr. in his first career start. This kid has been a dime in, in the rough for this Arizona team, and they are the hottest team in football by far. Eight and one against the spread and are on average covering the spread by 11 points. A lot to do with that Washington State win when Washington State was, you know, ranked before they just went on human Chernobyl and decided they were going to lose every game of conference play. Um, but, yeah, I, I love Noah Fafita. I think he needs to be in the conversation. I, you won't hear a disagreement from me. Fafita is – he's so good, man. This Arizona team is firing on all cylinders. I can tell you the only reason he isn't is because, number one, he's got Arizona on his jersey, 
And number two, they have three losses. But two of those he wasn't even responsible for. So, yeah. And the other one, he outplayed Caleb Williams in L.A., and his coach was just too much of a coward to go for two in the win. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, Fafita has been an absolute stud this year. They are an ATM machine against the spread, like you said, eight and one. Just incredible. I love I love the Wildcats. Fafita and the Cats are on the menu, man, all the time. Yeah, I would be a very, very nervous Utah team in uh, coming in. In two weeks, they get to go play Utah, and I would be a very nervous Utah team going to go play against these Cats. They're a very scary team right now. I agree. I agree. Couldn't agree more. I would love to put them top five in our uh, DT counter power rankings, which we're going to get to right now, but I'm not sure we can get there. We might receive too much blowback for that. But just to remind everybody, last week um, we had Washington at five, Florida State at four, Ohio State at three, Michigan at two, and Georgia at one. So, Grayson, I don't know about you. I'm ready to move Washington back up over Florida State. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Florida State looked really, really rough this weekend. Um, I did not like the way they looked. And, you know, Pittsburgh is not a very good team. I mean, we saw Notre Dame absolutely manhandle, throttle them. Um, yeah, didn't look good for uh, for Florida State by any means. So I, I'm good to move Washington back up into the mix of this. I know it's trendy to move Oregon into the top five. I saw our guy Joel Klatt moved them ahead of uh, Florida State. I'm just going to honor the the undefeated at the moment. Now, I reserve the right to change that, but I do believe the undefeated should matter. So uh, we'll stick with our five being Florida State at five, uh, Washington at four, Ohio State at three, who didn't look great at Rutgers this week, but you know it is what it is. They were able to survive in advance there. Uh, Michigan at two, and then Georgia at one, if that's all right with you. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. Cool, cool. All right. So after this, let's get into odds and ends, where we are going to revisit one of the subjects we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, What are the top things you can order at a donut shop? So we will get into that coming up next. All right, Greg, coming back here. So odds and ends, we have a couple of different ways we could go with this. First off, last time we recorded, uh, the Rangers were in the middle of the World Series. They ended up winning. So congrats to the Texas Rangers. First time anything has happened to these people. So everybody in the Metroplex is super happy about that. The parade looked incredible. 500,000 people there, allegedly. So awesome time to be in the Metroplex. The Mavs are 6-1, and one, which... Back to your take. I mean, there might you might be onto something with the Rangers and Mavs just working together to get these get these W's. I'm telling you, you guys need to buy in the Mavs right now while they're there, because soon enough the stock's going to be hot, and then everybody's going to be like, "Oh, I should have bought them when Grayson told me." Yeah, I'm telling you, don't ever listen to Reed Roloffs about basketball. He's a terrible basketball better. <laughs> just like Dabo said, you better buy all you freaking can. No joke. That's what you need to do. Buy all your freaking can. <laughs> so uh, our main order of business here in Odds and Ends today, we have our top five draft of items you can buy from a donut shop. So covers everything. You you know, you got the drinks, you got the coffee, you got the donuts, anything in that case that can be sold. All right. So we did heads or tails off camera. We flipped a coin. Grayson, of course, has the golden horseshoe up his ass at the moment. 
I can't win one of these flips to save my life. So I am picking second and third. Grayson first. We'll snake it through till we each have five items. So Grayson, without any delay, let's go ahead and get to it. You're on the clock with the number one pick. I just want to put it out there, Ed. You should have known better than to let me pick the coin toss because I'm undefeated in coin tosses in college. Tails never fails, baby. It never fails. And we definitely want ball. Um. Anyways. <laughs> my, we want uh, the ball and we're going to score. <laughs> yeah, we want the ball and we're going to score. Um, For my number one pick in the draft, it's it's simple for me. This is definitely the prime the prime position, the prime player. Um, give me give me the apple fritter. I mean, it's it's just absolutely immaculate. Um, it, it's the best donut in the case by far. That is a choice. I was not expecting you to go there, but the apple fritter is undefeated. It's an excellent choice. Do you get uh, this? Might be a hot take, but do you get yours warmed up? Any? You throw it in the oh, microwave. I think you have to. I think I, sometimes I show up to the donut shop right when they open. I know this is going to sound really fat. Sometimes I show up there right when they open because all of their donuts are like extra warm when you get there. It's just it's just better. You show up to the donut shop. When I was working Saturdays at uh, during tax season, I used to roll up to the donut shop at 5 o'clock and head to work super early so that I could have warm donuts while I was at work. Plus, I used to be able to leave before uh, – before college football games started. So that was, it was kind of a win-win. Absolutely. Get your work done, get a hot and fresh donut. I mean, nothing much better than that, except, you know, maybe not working on Saturdays. <laughs> you know, it's only a couple months out of the year, you know, two or three. It's no big deal. Could be, could be worse. Yeah, could be worse things. That is true. That is true. So that sets me up here pretty nicely in the two and the three spot. I feel like I have to take the glazed donut here. So I will take the glazed donut in the number two spot, just a classic. And I will ask you this because it is not on my list, but what what is your feeling about like the iced chocolate donut? Like where you have the glazed icing on it as well as the chocolate topping on it? What are your thoughts on that? You know, that's that's not on my list. I'm not a humongous fan. I'm not the world's biggest fan of the chocolate donut in general, honestly. I mean, it's it's good, but it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not making my top five, blatantly honest with you. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not a fan of the uh, of that particular donut either. So, you know, the iced chocolate donut, you can take it away. If I want a glazed donut, I'll get a glazed donut. If I want a chocolate donut, I'll get a chocolate donut. I don't need both. So, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. For me here in the number three, a lot of different directions we could go here. But I'm going to take the cake donut, you know, like the kind of like the chocolate cake or the blueberry cake donut. It's a go to. It's a classic. And uh, I love it. So I will take the cake donut at the number three. You're taking all of the cake donuts off the board. All all cake donuts are off the board. Do I need to just, just pick go- one? Yes. Yeah, so are you going just the original cake donut? I'll just take the, ori- the OG cake donut. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that, 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 because I asked that because my number two pick is the blueberry cake donut. It, it has to be the number. I actually, my boss came into work today, had donuts, and I couldn't help myself. I had to eat two blueberry cake donuts. Um, they're just absolutely delicious. He obviously didn't have any apple fritters. Otherwise, those would have been off the board first. Um, but yeah, blueberry cake donut in my number two spot. And, 
in my number three spot here. Give me the uh, give me the jalapeno cheese kolache. Give me the jalapeno cheese kolache. I I love me some good kolaches, and you know nothing better than a nice little jalapeno cheese. Oh damn you, Grayson! Damn you! That was gonna be my next pick. So, all right, let's reconsider here. We still have we still have quite a few good options on the board. So for my number three. I'm going to take the uh, the glazed donut hole. There's something about the donut holes that are just fantastic. feels like you can pop a dozen of them without even having to try. They're just so good. They're so snackable. They're perfect. So the glazed I, donut is going to be my pick. I surely thought there was no way you were thinking glazed donut or donut holes. I surely thought that was going to fall to my five pick, and I wasn't even going to have to worry about it. I thought I was hands-free here getting that five. Nope, we, we snatched that one up. You know, some would say maybe it's a little bit of a reach, but we're confident in our scouting department. We, we've we done the research on the kid, and we, we like him here in the number three spot. I love it. I love it. So in the four, and I have to be careful here because I only have one more pick after this. I really wanted to go with the, the, the Kalachi, but obviously that is off the board. So what we're going to switch to here is going to be a classic. Everybody knows it at the donut shop. You've got like the the sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Like you, you see those up there with the little wax paper wrapping on them. They pop that little thing in the microwave for a minute and a half, two minutes. Comes out steaming hot. It's perfect. It's, it's a great breakfast option. So I will take that in the number four. Yep. That's on my list. That was on my list. You know, I was right before you picked that one. I said, I could get this one in the five. Now I surely thought there was, there was just no, you took my two sleeper picks. I thought, I thought these guys were sleeping on us. Um, you know, simply cause I thought about that. You'd forget about the donut hole. Um, yeah, those are, those are fantastic picks. You just kind of busted this draft wide open on me. Um, well done. Those are, those are really good picks. I just want to let everybody know that daylight donuts has absolute top tier sausage egg and cheese croissants and they're like 350 and they're just absolutely unbelievable um good to get about two of those all you know every now and then um moving in to my number four slot let me go with the maple long john donut um love me a maple long john you know, I told you I didn't like the chocolate on top, but the maple just hits a little bit different. So give, give me the maple long, John. And then in my five spot, um, give me a, give me a little bit of a classic here. You know, give me the, uh, the extra large cinnamon roll, uh, absolutely top tier. Um, freaking love me, freaking love me a cinnamon roll. Um, especially like the nice cinnamon rolls from Hertz donuts when they're nice and warm, when they come out they're they're magnificent. So yeah, give me, give me the cinnamon roll. That's a good pick there. Great pick, but you didn't take my number five. I'm surprised it's still here. Maybe because you don't like the chocolate, but we're going with the, the chocolate eclair with like the cream Ooh. filling in it. It's yep. an absolute staple. You know, you can put the jelly filling in there or you can go with the cream filling. I'm more of a cream guy myself. So that is what my pick of the number five is. It's it's a staple at every donut shop. They all have them. They're all pretty good. So 
that's my that's my number five. Yep. I had the the chocolate long john with the raspberry filling on my list as well. Um it it was going to be my next pick if one of mine got taken off. So that's that's a really good pick there. I also had the uh I also had the cinnamon twist on mine. The nice little twisted donuts rolled in a little bit of cinnamon and sugar. Um, you know, it might not be everybody's favorite, but I felt like it deserved to be in an honorable mention list here. I had the chocolate twist on my list. So we were kind of on the same thinking there. Yeah. And then I'm sure that the, the chocolate donut holes probably should be on there as well as, you know, just a regular glazed jelly filled circular donut. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and maybe you could add on the list a bear claw, a bear claw is, is a possibility, you know, a nice little glazed bear claw that could be, that could be on there as well. I'm sure we'll catch some heat for not having the strawberry donut on there. You know, the strawberry icing, but I'm just not a strawberry guy. I'm not a strawberry milk guy. I'm not a strawberry donut guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not Homer Simpson. I'm not loving me a nice little strawberry with some sprinkles on it. Donut. Um, It definitely wouldn't be, it wouldn't be my top pick. So I'm just not, not going to add it even to the honorable mention list because then we'd be adding every donut in the book. So. Exactly. We've got to draw the line somewhere, you know? Yep. Exactly. I agree. I agree. So. All right. Uh, well, I think that'll do it for today. What else do you have for us? Great, man. No, I, you know, I'm, uh, I think that we're going to get some hate on this, uh, on this donut draft. And I, I just don't want to hear it. Just don't want to hear it. I think that we pick some top tier, some top tier contenders here. So, um, don't text me in the morning about my draft. I also want to uh, want to thank the viewers for uh, for listening in and you know supporting us. We really appreciate it. My one of my good buddies texted me this morning and said, "Why is there no podcast up? I'm driving to work right now, and how am I supposed to have a good Monday morning without the GT counter?" And then I said, "Yeah, Edsel had the Mavs game last night. I apologize." And my buddy said, until you guys drop a podcast, I'm going to go change my review to a one star. So um, I'm sure he was lying about it, but you know, we love, we love the the fact that he wants to listen to our podcast bad enough to, uh, to leave us a bad review when we don't post on time. So I appreciate his support. I appreciate everybody's support. You guys, uh, you guys are killing it for us. I appreciate y'all. Absolutely. Shout out to my Aunt Nicole, Uncle Todd, for getting me out to the Mavs game last night. We appreciate that. Saw Mavs win. Now 6-1 and one on the year. And uh, shout out to the commenter who suggested that Grayson do every podcast sauce. I mean, we will certainly take that consideration in mind. Yeah, if we, uh, if we podcast on Wednesdays when I have softball, there's probably a good likelihood that there might be a beer or two drank while on the pod. Um Getting getting sauced is probably not likely. I still have to play in a game later, so yeah. Let's uh, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see. I I we appreciate the comments, but we'll 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 work on them. We'll see what we can do. Maybe on a Sunday pod, I'll watch the NFL all day when I don't have homework to do, and maybe we'll get active before the pod gets on. Okay, we'll we'll get the viewers what they want. Hear me out. Live pod where we can (laughs) we can get that going. Oh, I'd love it. I would love that. Absolutely. So uh, appreciate you guys listening in. We do have a special coming out. Myself and Reed Roloffs from the Moneyline Masterclass are going to hop in 
I believe we'll have something Wednesday for uh, college basketball, the season preview. Uh, I've got, Grayson, I, w- I will send you my notes here. I kid you not, I have like three full note pages. Everything oh, from the top of the top conferences all the way down to the Summit League. I have notes on almost every conference, teams to back. I'm excited to get this pod ready. We've been working on it for weeks now. So going to record that tomorrow night and should have it out Wednesday. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that one. College basketball is one of my favorite times of the year. And uh, it just got kicked off today. So excited that we finally made it. Before we know it, it'll be March. Going to be an electric March this year. Got uh, Got high expectations for a really good college basketball season to come. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right. Well, until we see you guys next time, be the man in the arena, go make some money, and we will see you on Wednesday for our college basketball preview and then back on Thursday or Friday for our weekend recap. We've got an electric slate of games this weekend. Can't wait to preview it all and more. So until next time, peace out, everybody.